Well, good morning once again. Welcome once again to Connection Point Church. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we just want to say thanks for being with us today. We've been five weeks in the book of 1 Thessalonians. So far, we've looked all the way through the first three chapters in the first part of chapter four. Today, we will finish chapter four. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open there to chapter four. We're going to look beginning at verse number 13. Now, as we look at this passage today, you're going to notice there's a shift once again in this passage. This particular part of Paul's letter stirs curiosity and it brings hope. It speaks of the return of Christ. Can anyone get excited about that? First Thessalonians, wouldn't that just top off 2020? I mean, it would top off everything, of course, but 2020, right? I mean, we should expect the unexpected, shouldn't we? We should expect some good things too, right? All right, verse number 13, if you're there or if you can see it on the screen, would you say amen? All right. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. And I should just start every message off that way. <laughs> but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen? All right, now in reading this passage... It's obvious to see that the Thessalonians were very concerned with those who have died. Paul gives some, some reassurance in this passage, and this passage is used today to give that same reassurance. I have heard this passage at probably every funeral I've ever been to. It's, it's there for a reason. It's to give us reassurance, to encourage us, to, to give us the hope that the ground is not the end. Now, in looking at this passage, you need to remember some things about this church. You need to remember this church was a very young church. It was not very old at all. And it had just, I mean, Jesus wasn't that far gone from when this church was started, right? So, in reading that, you need to understand that the Thessalonians didn't have Wikipedia. They didn't have Google. They, they didn't have this letter that we have as part of our Bible to go to for their answers. This letter that we have the benefit of reading was being written to them to answer some of their questions, some of their concerns. And in his letter, Paul is addressing the concerns of what about our friends and family who have already died? Some of them had maybe even been martyred. What about them? What's going to happen to them? Now, if you remember from last week, th these people... They were believing that Christ's return was imminent. I mean, it was, it was around the corner. They believed it was so soon that some of these people had quit their jobs to spend their time telling people of his soon coming return. 
And I don't mean they quit their jobs to go into the ministry full time. They didn't quit their job to be a missionary, to pastor a church. They weren't itinerating. They simply quit their job and were not concerned with how are we going to pay for our living expenses. They thought he was going to come that soon that they didn't even bother. Listen, we, we've got birds at our house. We have them today anyhow, I guess. Yesterday we were, we were talking and we're like, man, we got all these bird feeders and we have all of this seed in here. And yet we have not put bird seed out and I can't tell you the last time. I mean, it's, you know, nice weather out. There's plenty of food out and about for the birds, but the, the food is starting to disappear for them as we approach winter. And we're like, we need to put some food out. Don't be like the birds and just wait for people to, to feed you. Okay, that's what Paul has basically told the, the Thessalonians. He's like, listen, don't just quit your job. Continue your work, but continue talking to people about Jesus. See, if you just quit your job, you're probably going to get quite hungry. Instead, share the gospel, tell of Jesus' coming return while continuing your employment so you don't end up on welfare. All right, we can say from this verse that one of the big questions this young church had was, would the believers who already died, would they be resurrected when Jesus returned? See, this group of believers, they knew beyond a shadow of doubt that, that when Jesus returned, those who were alive, they would be, those believers would be called, caught up to meet him in the air. They knew that they would then be given a new perfect body that would last forever. Can I get an Amen. They also knew those who didn't know Jesus would be left behind and face tribulation, which is why some of them had actually quit their jobs to spread the news. We should have that same desire as they had without quitting our jobs, but the same intensity nonetheless. You see, because even if Christ doesn't return for another thousand years, people who are alive today need to be told about his return so that they won't be left behind. So th this church, they all knew this, but they were less sure of what happens to those who are already dead. Will they get to participate? What about their bodies? Would they get new ones? They fully expected Jesus to return while they were alive, and when he did, they believed as they should that they would be transformed. They would never have to be buried in the ground, and their bodies would never decay. But what about those who are already in the ground? What about the bodies of those who had already begun to return to ashes? In Paul's letter, you can see just by his response that, that this church had genuine concern for those who had already died. His response wasn't simply just answering some questions of curiosity that they may have. You can see from his response that this was something that really bothered this church. I, I don't know if there was someone, I mean, we know there were people within the church that were causing division. We know that there were people causing problems from, without, from outside of the church. But I don't really know if it was someone saying to them, hey, why even bother with all these rules and, and following this? When you die, you're just going to be buried in the ground and it's all over anyways. Why not just live today? We don't really know what caused this concern, but we do know that it was enough of a concern that Paul addressed it in this letter. I want you to notice two things in this letter. 
In this passage, I, I see it says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The first thing he says there is, I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, Paul is saying, you need to pay attention. You need to study, and you need to know, and you need to stop believing everything you hear, especially when things are being told to you that contradicts the truth of the gospel. I think if Paul were alive today, he'd say, stop believing everything you read on Facebook and everything you watch on YouTube. He would probably say something like, just because you saw it on Facebook doesn't make it true. I know sometimes it's something you want to believe to be true, but just because you want it to be true doesn't make it true, so stop sharing it. Stop forwarding it to everybody. Anybody get, like, everything in the world forwarded to them? (laughs) Yeah, me too. You know, some of those things that get forwarded might just not be true. Instead of being ignorant, he's saying, spend less time on Facebook, more time in the Word. You should know. Don't be ignorant. I didn't say it. Paul did. I know he didn't say Facebook, but Paul says to the church, don't be ignorant. And then he says, less you sorrow as others who have no hope. In other words, he's saying here, don't be overly worried about those who have died before Jesus come back. Now, he doesn't say you aren't going to be sad. Nowhere in here does he say that. He says, lest you sorrow as others. He doesn't say you're not going to sorrow. Listen, we, when, when someone we love passes, we are going to be sad. They're no longer with us. We miss them. It's natural to miss them. What he is saying here is your grief shouldn't be like that of the world. Your grief shouldn't be like that of the unbeliever who has no hope. They have reason for immense sorrow because they have no hope, but not us. Because of Jesus Christ, we have hope. We can know that this world is not the end. Look at the next couple of verses there. It says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Here here Paul is saying, don't worry. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that those who have already died in Jesus will return with the Lord. In verse 14, he says, God will bring with him those who sleep. We can know that those who already died are with Jesus. We know this because the word of God is true, and the word of God teaches us that. You remember the words of Jesus on the cross when he speaks to the thief? There in Luke 23, what does he say? He said, and Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today... You will be with me in paradise. Those are the words of Jesus. Those who have already died are already with him. He said, today you will be with me. If a believer has already died, 
we don't have to wonder where they are now. At the moment they drew their last breath on this earth and immediately thereafter, they were with the Lord. When Paul refers to those who sleep in Jesus, he's not saying those who have died are simply in the ground asleep waiting on his return. They're not just laying there in some deep sleep. When he says sleep, what he's really saying is those who have died are now resting from this world's problems and they are at rest with God. Just think of all of those who have gone on before us. They are resting from 2020. (laughs) They are not dealing with the crazy world we have in front of us right now. Paul says those who are at rest with Jesus will be with him when he returns. God will bring them. Paul is very clear on what happens. He said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, he's saying, listen, if you believe that, if you believe that Jesus is God and that he came to earth as a man, that he died for our sins, if we believe that he paid the price for our sin on the cross with his life, if we believe that he was buried, that he walked out of the grave on the third day, if we believe that, then also believe he will return to earth and bring all of those who have gone on before. He will bring them back when he returns. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus paid the price. We can say as Paul said, O death, where is your sting? If we believe in Jesus then we can know that when we die, we are with him. And when he returns, we will be with him. And the same is true for every other believer who have died and gone on before us. How can we be sure of this? Well, in verse 15, Paul says, by the word of the Lord. In other words, it wasn't Paul coming up with some some idea to make this group of people feel better. He didn't just say, man, I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. I got an idea. Why don't I just tell them this? No, he says, by the word of the Lord, the bodies of those who have already died will be raised before we are caught up. He says, we will by no means proceed those who are asleep. He says this so that those who were were deeply battling with what become of their loved ones would know that those who have died would also participate in Christ's return. How could they know? By the word of the Lord. Aren't you glad it wasn't by the word of a politician, by the word of a news anchor, by the word of some clever Facebook meme, or even the word of Paul himself? It was by the word of the Lord, the one who is faithful and true. Verse number 16 says this, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Oh, come on, y'all. Come on. I mean, they said, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. 
I read that, I hear that, and I get excited. The Lord in all his majesty, he's going to split the sky. He will be seen by all. He will return with a shout that will be louder than anything you've ever heard before, even if you watch the debate on Tuesday. When I read this passage, I can't help but get excited. When I read this passage, I also think back to the the story of Lazarus. When, when, When you remember the story of Lazarus? Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, hey, our brother is sick, and he stayed where he was, and, and by the time he got there, Lazarus was already in the ground for four days. You all remember that? He was dead. He was not coming back. He was beyond um, reviving, right? But then, in John 11, we read this. It's not up there. We read this. <laughs> Now when he had said these things, he cried out, cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. It says, in a loud voice, Jesus said, come forth. And I'm sure it was a loud voice, but it's nothing like the voice that we are going to hear when he descends from heaven. And it says, with the shout of an archangel. This voice isn't going to be like anything you've ever heard before. He's going to appear in the sky and all the eyes of the world are going to be upon him. And he is going to shout with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God is going to sound. Can you picture it this morning? I mean, are you ready for it today? Anyone looking forward to that day? Now, the trumpet was mentioned throughout the Old Testament. It's something that went often before the armies of God. It was used to call people to attention. But when I think of, when I think of the, the trumpets in the Old Testament, one story that always comes to my mind is that after the people of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho, they marched six days without a word. The people of Jericho looking out must have, must have been like, what are these people doing? Every day they get up and they walk around. The people getting up and walking around were probably thinking the same thing as the people inside. They were probably thinking, why are we doing this day after day after day? But then, on the seventh day, Joshua 6.20 tells us this. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Can I tell you today, you may be feeling like you've been walking around the walls of Jericho. And it may be feel like, maybe it feels like you've been stuck on day six for six years or 60 years. The enemy daily taunting you. The world around you questioning, why is it you believe this? If God was really God, why would you be suffering? Maybe you're alive today. Well, hopefully. (laughs) I hope everybody is alive in here as I scan the room. Maybe you're alive today, but maybe your body don't feel like it, right? Maybe your body feels like it's already in decay. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe in the morning it comes, 
you're like, I don't want to get up and do it again. You're like, Joshua, we've done it for five days. We've done it for six days. Here we are on the seventh day, and you're saying, get up and let's do it again. And our response is often, it's just going to be the same. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to walk around the city again. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to march around the city again. And the enemy's going to be there at every turn. The wall is going to look the same as it did yesterday. It's going to look so mighty and too big to conquer. And you're wondering, how many more days am I going to have to march? How many more days am I going to have to put up with the chaos of this world? How many more days do I walk around the city feeling like I've done it over and over and over again and I've not seen anything come to pass? If that's you this morning, it may seem overwhelming. I'm here to tell you today, don't worry. Don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of what is going on and don't be ignorant of what is soon to come. So keep studying. Keep believing. Because there's going to come a day when we look to the skies and we see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we're going to hear the shout and we're going to hear the trumpet sound. He won't be a, a baby in a manger. He won't be dying upon a cross, and he won't be in the ground. He is going to come, and we are going to see him, and we are going to hear his voice of an archangel. And on that day when the trumpet of God sounds, we can know that all that we have struggled with is going to be gone forever. For we are about to be transformed. I don't know what that shout is going to be. But I do know this, at the sound of his voice, there is going to be a call that beckons us. First, those who have died, and second, those that are living. That voice is going to be beckoning just as it called out to Lazarus. It may not be in the same words, but it's going to have the same meaning. Come forth. Come forth. And with that voice... We are going to meet him, and we are going to leave this world and all of its chaos behind. So you can know this. What this passage means is this. Those who have died are already with him. We are going to go and meet him in the air. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says this. For this corruptible must be put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. We are going to get a new body, one that is incorruptible and immortal, one that has more hair on the head than has got in the ears or got in the nose, one that can eat the banquet feast and not worry about what pants they can fit into in the closet. Right? I mean, if you can't look forward to anything else, look forward to that. You're going to have some hair, and you can eat what you want. <laughs> Me and you, Juan, we're going to have hair. Uh, 
Paul gives us words of comfort. In fact, there in verse number 18, he even says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Take the knowledge of knowing those who have gone on before you are going to be with Christ when he returns. We are all going to be caught up into the air in our new bodies with the Lord forever. Listen, as much as we miss people here on earth, can I tell you our first response isn't going to be looking for the ones who have gone on before. Our first response isn't going to be asking God that list of questions that you've been saying your whole life. Well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why he did this. Okay, sure you are. I don't think so. I think it's going to be more like the words of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me. See, I kind of think that's going to be more our attitude than to say, Why did you do that? Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When he comes, that voice is going to shake the very foundation of the earth. And the question becomes, are you going to be ready? Are those you know going to be ready? See, that should be really our concern, shouldn't it? As the Thessalonians were asking Paul about what happens to those who have already died, those who knew Jesus, what happened to them? The question we ought to be asking is, what's going to happen to those who don't know him? Because we know the answer to that. The question is, what are we doing with that knowledge? What are we doing with the knowledge that when he comes, it's only those who know him who are going to be lifted up? It are only those who know him that will rise to meet him in the clouds. See, those who remain will be facing a time like the earth has never seen before. And the stage is being set before our very eyes. When I read this passage in Isaiah, it brings the reality of God's majesty and his awesomeness. In reading this passage along with this one from 1 Thessalonians, it ought to stir thankfulness within us. Thankfulness for the sacrifice of Jesus, that, that he gave his life so that we could be with him for all of eternity. But it also ought to stir a healthy fear within us of how awesome God really is. The wages of sin are death. But anyone who knows Jesus as Lord are not bound by it. If you know him, you can thankfully, with a thankful heart, 
earnestly await the day that he descends. The day that he descends from heaven with a shout and calls out to us, come forth. If you know him, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder, will my body answer the call? I know your body may not feel like it can answer the call, but trust me. Trust the word that says you will be called up to meet him in the air. If you believe. If you know him as Lord and Savior. Amen. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for your word today.